The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. about an hour long of the exclusive interviews I had with the entire Expanse team cast. Again, I know it's long overdue and most of you all have probably even forgot that I had it, but I didn't forget you all. I promised that I was going to release this and I'm going to release it so you all can hear it. Um... I just want to give you all a quick setup of how the interview went. So while you're listening to it, you won't be too confused. Um, It was done at New York Comic Con in New York City at the Jacob Javis Center. And it was basically a round table discussion so it'll be like four actors at per table and it was about four tables and at four tables it will be like you know four to five journalists and you know each set of actors will come and they will ask um, they will be asked a certain amount of questions within like 10-15 minutes and then it will stop and then it will rotate to another group of um, actors and you know it will go on from there so it's like a roundtable discussion about The Expanse now if, you, if you've seen The Expanse you've seen all the episodes for the latest season it really if you've seen it already, which most of you have already, it will just give you a little bit more clarity on, you know, kind of how the actors felt about their characters. If you haven't seen it, there are no spoilers, so don't worry about that. There are no spoilers, but if you have seen it, it definitely gives clarity on the characters as, as they progress throughout the season. So I Either way, if you are a big Expanse fan, I believe you will enjoy it. Um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I don't know if you'll be able to hear my questions, um, but you'll definitely be here, be able to hear everyone's answers. So I hope you like it. Thanks for listening. And I'm glad that you all enjoyed the last season of the expanse it seems that you all are still talking about it according to my twitter feed and i enjoy being in all the expanse fans um facebook groups you guys are really passionate about it and i haven't seen this much passion since game of thrones so i'm just glad to be part of it even though i'm more of a lurker um I feel like I really need to dive into the books to really grasp everything. So, but that's more to come. So enjoy these interviews. Um, and, you know, 
if you love if you like it i really would appreciate it if you support me on patreon um you can check out the description link in this episode to see my patreon but my patreon is patreon.com slash m s a b fabulize mag m s a b f a b u l i z e m a g thank you so much your support means so much and it keeps this podcast going i really appreciate it so check out the interview talk to you soon how did you feel about the feedback from the screening it was delightful mm-hmm. um i was just saying over there that like it's got to the point now because of the nature of the show and how it was saved that i'm just like i can't wait for them to see this i can't wait to see what they're gonna think and just like show them show them all of it mm-hmm. and it was it was nice they uh they liked it it was awesome so tell us about your character in this season that's different <laughs> from you know you know pre-Amazon. Okay. Are there any differences? If there are, what are the I mean, I don't know if um, there's a pre-Amazon and post-Amazon difference for Naomi. Mm-hmm. Um, there is for the show in terms of how it's promoted and the kind of investment that's put into it to promote it. But um, in terms of her arc, Naomi deals with some really quite heavy duty physical um, issues in this season which that's kind of how it starts off uh, which was really interesting and it's quite different to how we've seen her before it's it's quite cool to see such a strong character become quite weak but without her having being able to have any control over it mm-hmm. and it's an environmental thing rather than like anything that's happened mm-hmm. a situation she's essentially putting herself into um, and that is quite new for Naomi okay. to see her like that it was amazing to finally show the fans something that we're so proud of I mean I I've been lucky enough to see the whole season through, and I, I really do think it's our strongest year yet. Yeah. I do. And, um, you know, we came into this season with a renewed sense of gratitude. We were given this new life uh, from our fans, you know, so I think there was a, a different sense of responsibility in terms of having to deliver on their efforts mm-hmm. that they gave us. And, um, you know, we we all just doubled our efforts down. And, uh, yeah, I think they're really going to dig this season. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited for them to see the rest of it. What are you excited for the fans to see? Uh, the whole thing. The I whole mean, thing. yeah, I mean, you know, I think... Without, I, like, you know, facility. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a huge fan of the books before I even knew they were being adapted into the television show. So, as a fan coming into this, uh, book four is a tonal change. Um, so, it's fitting that we kind of shifted to a different platform for a tonal change. So meta. It is. And it's like, it's, um, you know, the, the, the scale of it increases and yet it also gets more intimate um, I'm excited for them to see 
the new phase of this story play out because the rings change everything. Once the ring gates open, the socio-political structure of the system completely shifts. Mars no longer identifies itself the same way. Earth is questioning itself. Generations of belters who have been disenfranchised, can't. a lot of them can't take advantage of these new opportunities and it's causing tension within the group itself. You see all of the seeds of that planted in the first episode. But the way those things play out, they play out in a very dramatic way uh, on a large and an infinite scale. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm excited for them to see uh, how those things unfold because it's it's really dramatic um, and it kind of changes everything for the for the show. Um, just a moment ago, uh, <laughs> season had a kind of western feel to it and I'm wondering if that resonates with you and if you could elaborate a bit on why that might be. Yeah, it um yeah. It, it, so that was, it does in the books as well, you know, yeah. so like uh, <clears throat> book four has that frontier um, element to it. Uh, it obviously is allegorical uh, like most other things in this show. Right. Um, you know, even on a production uh, level, we used anamorphic lenses for outside, uh, which is unusual for television, to give that kind of widescreen panoramic Sergio Leone kind of thing. Um, but it's it's that lawlessness uh, of of the new frontier and the um, you know the allegory for the European invasion of North America and and um, Australia all over the world really. Um, but you know, I think what's different though is there's no um, good guys or bad guys, which I think in westerns it's always like cowboys and are the good ones but in expanse in true expanse nature it's all gray so you're constantly kind of guessing what side you're on and and so it's a western with like no kind of good guy or bad guy so um i think it's a bit more interesting everyone thinks they're doing the right thing all the time in the expanse yeah. you know so um you know it really does it's something i really loved about the books and what i love about the adaptation is that it's so meticulously plotted in such a specific way um, that it shows the kind of messiness that humanity really is. And I think that's why it's managed to connect on so many different levels uh, out there across the world. You know, I mean, a lot of the fans who saved our show are not from the United States. And um, I think it translates across borders because that is the nature of humanity. It is, it is not perfect, it is always flawed, and, um, and, it, and it allows, I think, to empathize with the journeys of these people. Do you guys see any connection between um, how the show is portraying like life in you know, the solar system compared to like uh, the real relationship that we're in the right now? Like, do you guys see similarities? It's uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where when you, when were the books written like uh, it started in the early 2000s I think so sometimes like we're doing stuff on the show that I'm just like I know what this is code for but then it's like well they was written so long ago it's actually not it's just the show is a study of humanity and it's based on the history of humanity and so we keep doing the same shit to each other over and over again so it's just an accurate portrayal of like a repeated history that we have that unfortunately we extend out into the solar system because <laughs> we just can't get it right um thank you so uh yeah in in there's always similarities always because 
that's how we are. Yeah, and I, you know, just to add on to that, it's um, as much as this show takes place a couple hundred years in the future, it is a political drama. I think, you know, oftentimes with science fiction that I've always appreciated the most is it's that the genre in and of itself lends itself to portraying those kind of things in a very poignant way, uh, especially now. I mean, it is an incredibly divisive time. It's hard to um, it's hard to start conversations with those that maybe disagree with you, and and it's it's kind of imperative, I think, in portraying these stories in a very human and sensitive way, and in the shades of gray that allow it to transfer and to start those conversations out there. I remember, I think it was last year, uh, a friend of mine sent me an article. I don't I don't generally read the stuff that's written about us, but. He, he was like, I think you'll find this interesting, is that the Washington Post and the Federalist both were talking about how politically important the show was, and both of those papers couldn't disagree more about the world and uh, and how to look at it. And I thought that was really telling of, of how great the writing was, was that um, we're telling these very human stories and that we were able to mask it with a different age and a couple of different names, and suddenly it's more palatable. People don't get defensive. So you can start to have those conversations out there. And as an, as an actor, it, it makes the work feel really important. So it's, it's something that I'm really grateful for. Has there been much of a difference uh, in terms of your experience working on the show with the move to Amazon? Um, no, not really, because we um, the show was always made by Alcon, who are a production company. So um, when we were on Sci-Fi and being on Amazon, it's the same people that make the show. So we get to go back to Toronto and work with all the same crew and cast because they will come back. Um, and so it's not really changed. It's more post-shooting, like the promotional side of it and posters and just like the online content. And there's just, we feel really a lot more supported and kind of there's a lot more interest from our mum and dad. Um, <laughs> we feel like we've got new foster parents. <laughs> Very nice. You know, and just, and just to kind of tack on what we were saying before, you know, Amazon is a global company and um, the themes that we're working with are universal themes. So uh, just the fact that we have the reach now uh, into those different communities, I think um, it's, it's, it's a perfect home for us uh, that has allowed us to, you know, show the show what we want to say in a, in a kind of more vast way. And um, just in terms of the, the production end of things, it's a different kind of uh, platform. So we don't have to stop the show, for example, at, I forget what it was, like 52 minutes and 30 seconds or whatever, because of commercials and airtime and stuff like that. So if we want to air out it out a little bit, it can be a little bit longer, it can be a little bit shorter, depending on the story we want to tell. We obviously can curse a bit more, we can show a bit more nudity, which lends itself to, to showing more humanity, because uh, they are real people doing real human things, like having sex and stuff. Um, swearing. Uh, so in that sense, uh, it's been different, but I think 
for the most part, they they came in loving the show to begin with, and they didn't want to mess with the formula. And um, I'm grateful for that because the feeling on the set and within the show structure feels more like a theater company really than a television show. It's very collaborative. Everybody has their say, um, and. I'm grateful that they didn't come in and switch up that culture because I think the culture is our is our secret weapon. Show, yeah. That's the show. I want to go back to your point where you said, you know, everyone thinks they're doing the right thing. So would you call the characters on the show anti-hero or misguided heroes? I wouldn't call them either, really. I think okay. that they think um, they're... They're doing their best, you know. It's I wouldn't even call them heroes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that um, they're just humans. Mm -hmm. I don't think we lean too hard into the hero thing on the show, which is good. Mm -hmm. Because I think a hero is a construct. It's not a real member of society. Mm -hmm. I don't really know who the hero is. Like, even if you pick someone out that you really, really love, there may be someone that, that looks like that guy's a dick. He left his family and none of us speak. Or, you know, mm -hmm. there's always flip sides to these, these wonderful humans. So I just think I'm grateful that we don't lean too hard into that and we just show people who they are just trying to do the right thing all the time and then colliding with each other. And you know, I think, um, you know, just speaking for, Hol for Holden, um, you know, you meet Holden, he is not heroic at all. I mean, he's a cocky, naive, shirks his responsibility when you first meet him. Um, and he he grows into a leadership position of confidence through failure. You know, it is the humility that he has going through these experiences that actually makes him a better leader uh, in the way that the real world functions. You know, most people don't pop out of the womb like a, an incredible leader. Like, they usually go through a ton of awful shit first and fuck up a bunch and they learn from it and they move on. And, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, like Dom said, I'm grateful that the, that the writers are confident enough in their storytelling um, to allow that to be uh, a story that reflects reality. And, um, so yeah, I mean, if, if there's any arc, it's like, it's just, it's just everyone trying to do the best they can all the time and often not living up to their own expectations. said that because when when I was first pitched the show almost five and a half years ago ish six years ago that's what they said they're, they're like it's breaking bad in space that's what they said and I was like I get it I totally get it and I love it I love that um, no I you know it the right uh, James S.A. Corey tied in tying Daniel they knew the end of the book series before they started it and um, 
you know, it is uh, it is essential that we stick to this meticulously plotted story because once you start to dip you off from that, small things in the beginning of this season the, of the of the show become very important later on. And the minute that you veer away, suddenly that's all lost, and then you can't really go back. Um, so you know, I we are always aware that um, these books are beloved for a reason. I certainly love them for that reason. And um, and to be able to play characters that evolve so um, realistically over time uh, is incredibly rare in this business, and it's unusual. And it's a it's a very adult story uh, about all kinds of things, you know, identity and politics, and, um, and who we are and our place in the universe. And, um, they managed to do it in such a subtle and beautiful way. I just, We'll always we'll always stick to the to the plot because it's exquisitely fun. It's I think this show's an actor's dream, to be honest. It's like it's weird because it's like you wanna get on a TV show, they're good, they pay well. You don't want it to be a shit TV show because then you may be on something for seven years that you hate. So when you get on something that's a TV show and the character's great, and then the cast are great, and then the story's great, and you get to play, like, not only, they take risks on this show, so they're not afraid to change the tone, like they have done for season four. You will constantly be given stuff to get your teeth into as an actor, and I just think we're all really in quite a unique and privileged position to be like, we love our job, we get to do it all the time, and it's great. That's rare. So, yeah, I, I think it's a, a bit of a dream. Agreed. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. So I, I think, like, you know, being able to see, because I've seen it before, uh, but seeing it with an audience and being able to feel the energy that the, you know, watching it with them, it's always it's always more rewarding to watch it with an audience. Mm -hmm. And on a big screen, no less. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the first time you guys have seen it? Um, I think it was the second time I'd seen it, but not I I'd seen it in a very rough state. Not not all finished with the sound and everything like that. I, hadn't seen it. I think it's the first time I've seen it finished. Yeah. It's Burns' first time seeing it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Seeing the big screen with a good sound system. Right. I don't think that's such a big, huge button. Yeah. It's fantastic. And there seems to be a lot of time as well, the edits. They, they allow it to breathe, which is so unusual. I'll get it today. Yeah, it was great. That was one of my favorite shots in the episode was when your character was crawling out of the fiery rubble. I love that that kind of like hellscape. Yeah. And him dragging his body bloody and battered. That was a really beautiful image. It's hard to relate to him, by the way. It's alright. On that. Yeah. You know, the weird thing was, it is a prosthetic. It's obviously prosthetic skin over it. And some of the hairs were... were <laughs> unnaturally long <laughs> like particularly director and a few of the actors they avoided me for like the first few weeks as they were like Ugh. he's got disgustingly long um, <laughs> leg, leg hair, leg hair. No, and it goes straight it's prosthetic. <laughs> how long did you have to wear the prosthetic because i imagine putting that on each day yeah. he has it on right now yeah <laughs> he, he, got, he got really attached to it yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about an hour great team though yeah. 
were you ever concerned about once she was canceled from Sci-Fi going to Amazon? Were you ever concerned that maybe your fans wouldn't transfer over, or were you anticipating new fans, or that wasn't a concern at all? Well, I think the irony of that situation is number one, our core fans that have always been there, it really solidified them, and they kind of they really found a community with each other, mm -hmm. and also the attention that it got and all the the, the press that we got from it actually was the best thing that ever happened in the show and it's, it's, it took on a momentum and, a, and a, it got on the radar in a way that we never were before and so it's pretty surreal and spectacular that everything is happening with the show that's happening right now biggest favor they ever did was canceling you. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, it was the greatest thing ever happened to the show. Did you all grow up liking sci-fi, and if so, what was your favorite? I did. I, I was a huge fan of sci-fi. I remember walking through uh, the video aisles, and I saw the the, uh, the the video the VHS cover of Blade Runner, mm -hmm. and I was like, Han Solo's in a movie, and I haven't seen it. <laughs> and it, you know, it's him where he's standing on the car, and he has guns blazing, and I rented that movie, and I watched it over and over, and then Terminator and then Alien and Aliens and so uh, and I, I like the, the genre blend like you know the first Alien was horror genre the second one was action action sci-fi and uh, and so like horror sci-fi and action sci-fi and uh, so I, yeah I mean I'm a, I've been a fan of that my whole my whole life yeah. I was a Star Wars boy you know first, first cinematic experience mm -hmm. and, you know just adored it it's still my dream to be in it but so you definitely want to be in the Star Wars oh, like it. in the back with a leg prosthetic <laughs> <laughs> from now on every movie he does he's going to wear that leg prosthetic yeah Star Wars boy okay. I grew up with Star Trek and Star Wars Star Trek was more my thing yeah. mm -hmm. but Blade Runner is huge influence The Matrix uh, and, and Alien those are all They can expect the same show, but it's kind of like the second movement of the, the opera. If the first three seasons were the first movement, it's the same symphony, but now it's a whole new direction, which is the gates are open and there's a planet that's being found. And for the first time in the series, the Rossi crew uh, lands on a planet. So it takes on an explorational tone which has never been there before. It's always been about three cultures in conflict, war brewing, all about our solar system. And now it's taking that extra step of exploration into the unknown, which every science fiction fan loves. But it's going to be done a lot in expanse. On the, on the planet, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a. Uh, I remember reading book four and really loving the Western vibe and tone that it comes through, and being on this planet, this new frontier with all these new pioneers. It definitely has that, even the way it's shot, it has a Western yeah. vibe to it, a Western feel that I really love and I think really works well within the genre of sci fi.
there's a, there's a couple of shots, which I'm not going to say, but there's a couple of shots that, that, that happen on the planet that you're going to look at and you're going to think it's like a Clint Eastwood movie or something. Because of the we, actually fa we actually have a tumbleweed go through. <laughs> there's no tumbleweeds on the planet, but we have we flew one especially in. It's happening. How was that going to grab That's right. That's right. It's <laughs> rolling it through. Tumbleweed. It goes up. It rolls in the air. Yeah. Is there any difference for you guys working with Amazon versus Yeah, I think there's a lot more freedom. I think there's a lot more freedom in the sense that you don't have the rating system that, that they have on, on network television. And so to be able to show the reality of the world, the stakes as they are, the, the violence, the edge. Um, and uh, so there's a, there, there will be... Um, the, the, it, it's a more real portrayal. You know, I think if you do things on network TV, you have to kind of, you have to soften it in a way that it's suitable for television or audience. This one you could be, you know, as, you know, just tell it how you want to tell it. I want you all to tell me what you like and what you hate about each other's characters. <laughs> what we like and hate about each other's characters. <laughs> well, I think that uh, from our characters' perspective, mm -hmm. or from so I think you know having uh, uh, Burn, Murdy, Murdy's character on the on the thing. I think that uh, Amos and over. I think I think Amos knows that. The road that Burn is on, that what he's going to have to do for what he feel for fulfill what is right, mm -hmm. is going to be a direct conflict, and so we are going to have a face-off at some point in the season. Mm -hmm. But I think he also respects him. I think he respects that he's a man of duty, that he's uh, that he has courage, and that he's going to do whatever it takes to accomplish his mission, accomplish his job. But ultimately, that's going to conflict with what I think is right, and there will be a conflict. That okay. comes I don't think Alex has anything that he likes about uh, Mercury. I mean, he doesn't spend a lot of time with him. All he knows is that he is dangerous and a threat to his friends. So I don't think I don't think he has anything to admire because he doesn't spend enough time with him. But see, me personally, I'm a big Burn Gorman fan. I've had a, I have a, I had a poster on my wall of him when he came here. So the fact the fact that I'm such a big admirer of his and that I get to work with him, it bleeds through the, the work that we have. The poster was on my ceiling, weirdly enough. But, uh, yeah. You know what I hate about you? <laughs> you look so good on camera. Today, when I noticed that you were, when you were like doing the, 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 the thing when you were doing the nuts and his muscles were like... <laughs> I fucking hate this guy. The nuts? You know, you were, you're doing, drilling, you were you're talking drilling. to him. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you look fantastic on camera. <laughs> like, that's it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Would you consider Murphy to be kind of Murdy. Murdy kind of character, or is it just more like uh, in his own way he's actually trying to be? Yeah, I think the second. He's, uh, I was quite interested in the fact he's a military man. He's got a job to do. You know, he's an extremely good employee. Gets the shit, he gets shit done, you know. So um, the weird thing is, is that very early on he loses some of his people, and I think that that really then starts a kind of cascade of, um, you know, like.
like it would do in, in warfare, you know, like you lose some of your men and that's actually a defeat and there has to be retribution. Um, but I wouldn't see him as a villain, I think he's uh, morally compromised, but, you know. It's a very complex world, isn't it, this fantasy? It's all about like, morality, what's moral, what's not. Does that feel similar to the other characters you played? Yeah, yeah I play assholes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? But, um, <laughs> but it, uh, you know, honestly, the, the, the cast are beautiful actors to work with, but, and Lorraine as well, the showrunner. And I think they have an intention that there are no villains. Like, we don't, we don't like the word villain, because I think the kind of tone of the thing, you know, just interesting characters. I actually want to speak further more into that, what you just said, that you said it was really about um, a morality struggle. So would you think that Expanse itself is more of a sci-fi, philosophical uh, type of um, program versus like other fantasies or more strictly sci-fi science? Do you think it has like a, an element of, you know, uh, philosophical element to it that makes, you know, maybe the fans, why you have such a big fan. Yeah, maybe somebody coming to it new. I was excited by the possibilities that you're... That it's you're interesting. It's, a good, it's an interesting question because I would I would say like something like Star Trek mm -hmm. has a lot of philosophical and um, kind of projection to the future and try, it tries to make a lot of moralistic questions and themes. I don't know. I don't necessarily think The Expanse does that. The Expanse is really... I mean, just in my opinion, mm -hmm. it's really good at showing a mirror to nature. It shows us the, the the truthful, honest, and ugliest sides of ourselves and allows us to make up our minds about it, as opposed to saying, you could be like this, you could do this, whereas Star Trek did that. It's like, this is who we are. There's a brutal, realistic, unflinching look at what the world the, the closest to reality of what our world could look like a hundred years from now, 150 years from now. Yeah, and then it's up to you to decide whether or not you want to change it or not, because I, I don't think if we all were asked, hey, are you looking forward to the expanse coming true? I, I don't think any of us would say yes, because it's pretty bleak, it's pretty violent, it's pretty brutal, it's pretty corrupt, um, but it's very honest. So it's showing that to us as viewers and saying, hey, I'm just, I'm just showing you the mirror, it's up to you to figure out if that's the path you want to take. Okay. Uh, so I don't know if that's a moralistic tale or not. I think it's more of a... It could be both. Kind of a, a, a philosophical, sorry. I think it's more moralistic, but it's, I don't think it's so philosophical because it's okay. not it's not projecting um, things that are uh, out of our reach. Good answer. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's where it's going, isn't it? I mean, it's where it's going, and we're going to be up in space. Yeah. It's yeah. going to happen. Blue Origin's building a moon station this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. For someone, if someone wants to be a fan, let's say someone's interested in the show, what would you tell them to convince them to watch it? That Burn Gorman <laughs> dies. A part of the cast. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I hate about Amos? I love about Amos. Oh, whoa. I have both. I have both. It is from Alex's perspective. Because I was thinking. Oh, yeah, Alex's perspective. Alex, I think, loves the fact that Amos is dependable, loyal, and will fight to the death for his team and for his family and for his people. He loves that. He counts on it. But I think he is 
absolutely irritated by the fact that he cannot figure out how Amos's mind works. Like Alex is such a down-to-earth, straight thinker, like simple kind of lasagna guy, and Amos's mind is so different. It comes from such a weird background, and Alex has tried. They've had beers, they've had drinks, and every time we try to talk out problems, Amos comes up with stuff and Alex is left completely slumped, and he can't figure him out. He's not your friend? He is He's a your... friend. He's, yeah. No, he is a friend, yeah, yeah. but I don't get him. Cool. Alex just doesn't get him, and I think it, I think it is very discomforting to him. It, it unsettles him that he can't get him, because he can't predict him. So that's, that's, that's my love hate. That's the other I like seeing the shorthand between you guys as characters. Yeah. Like you're very, there's a familiarity, but you kind of, you're stuck in space for a long period of time together. And, I don't know, it, just, it does seem pretty fam familial, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Part of the, part of the chemistry. Mm. If you were stuck in games for a very long period of time, what's one thing you would have to bring with you? Spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. Toilet paper. No, you don't need that in space. <laughs> no. uh, That's an airlock. Yeah. Races, races. A think, movie collection. I was going to think some sort of either music or some sort of form of art or entertainment just to. I can't even imagine. Somebody asked in the in the panel today, uh, what has doing the show changed your opinion about space? And um, and I was thinking, like before I did this show, I loved the concept of space and space travel, and it was so romantic and nostalgic and uh, exciting and adventurous. And now having done the show, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's scary. I wouldn't want to. Like I mean, I made it hard. It's, just labor-intensive. Like, it's like, there's nothing, space I don't want hard. anything to do with it. Right. Like, I'd go to the moon. Uh, I don't know if I'd go to Mars, but I'd go to the moon, I'd go into orbit, I'd have to be able to get back, but uh, it's not as much exciting, romantic fun as I thought it was going to be. So, I'd have to bring some music or videos. You know what's hard as in space? What? The ocean. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. We've traveled more in Cameron. space than we have the ocean. Sci-fi in genders pretty loyal fans across the board. What, what do you, both previously and now in this sort of new incarnation, how fans uh, sort of guided you, and, and what's the reaction been to it coming back for you guys? This has been the most, the strongest connection to fans with anything I've ever done, the relationship that we've had. It's the most loyal and passionate fan base that, that I've ever had. Um, and the fact that they were so uh, integral in, in us getting picked up, that it really feels like they have ownership of the show. You know, we have a, it's like we're kind of in it together, you know, and so every time you run out to somebody out in town or whatever, there's this long kind of connection and conversation that's really different than anything I've ever done before. You have a lot of Silicon Valley fans, don't you? And mm -hmm. yeah, very much so. CEOs and forward thinkers. 
it's a different fandom. I mean, I've, I've worked in franchises with different fans, like like video games and even science fiction and superhero yeah. and things like that. But the Expanse fans are very specifically unique. They're highly intelligent. They're highly educated. They love science, and they they love the the characters. They love the the, the, the nuanced aspects of the characters, not just the the kind of like the the big broad strokes. They like the, the, the subtle nuances. Why are you surprised people like the show? You just said you're surprised that people like it. Why are you surprised? Shock shock. They know what we're doing now mm -hmm. and they keep watching it. Mm -hmm. Because we keep saying that for three years, we keep saying this is the best show no one has seen. So finally, finally people get to watch it. Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> it's not on Amazon and it brings all Good people like yourself to us. Thank you. <laughs> what do you like about your character? Explain your character to people who haven't seen it before and you want to convince them to watch it. Okay. My my character. Okay. Uh, she's the most uh, well-read, educated, uh, witty, uh, smart, loyal person I have ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. We all learn from our characters, actors. I've learned from her so much. She is, uh, to begin with, she is the Deputy Secretary of the United Nations. Of course, through her hard work, she calls herself a true public servant, and she is a true public servant, which we wish we had more, rather than corrupted politicians. And uh, she, she basically tries to defend Earth as much as she can. She's an Earther, and according to her, Earth must come first. Mm -hmm. When I was offered the role, when I first read the script, it, it reminded me a lot of Margaret Thatcher. Mm -hmm. she, she sounded a lot like Thatcher, and I thought, that's where I'm going. But then uh, she turned into Clinton, and then uh, Elizabeth Warren at one point, and I, I wished that I could stay with Elizabeth Warren. And uh, it has really, this role is a combination of them all. Two public servants who are trying to make the world a better place to live in. What about yes, your character? I'd watch that. I'll watch that show. I'll watch that show. What about your character? Explain your character to someone who's never seen it and convince them to watch the show. Okay, here we go. Um, so, uh, I play Kamina Drummer, and she is a belter. And in this Im imagined future, we have uh, Earth is run by the UN, Mars is an independent nation, and then we have a group of people who live and work in the asteroid belt. They're called the Belters. And they mine the belt for resources to send back to the inner planets. And they're this oppressed underclass of people. Uh, and Drummer has risen up through the military ranks. She's second in command on a on a Tyco station, which is a manufacturing station, um, and and she is Fred Johnson's uh, second in command on this station. Uh, so 
would mean she's very serious, extremely driven. She has an enormous sense of responsibility uh, to represent for her people mm-hmm. and to advocate for their uh, justice on their behalf. So that's where we meet her. And then the whole universe changes and her role within the belt begins to shift and grow. Shit gets crazy. And then uh, that brings us up to season four. (laughs) What does your character like about all the other characters? Like, who is your character's favorite character? And who's their least favorite character? Bobby, Frankie. Bobby. Bobby. She loves Bobby. Mm -hmm. Frankie. I have a feeling that uh, what Abbas Hurla sees in Bobby is the fact that Bobby reminds of, uh, of her a lot of her own self when she was the same age. Mm-hmm. Bobby is a soldier, so is Abbas Hurla. I never forget when they. Uh, I first went for a fitting, mm-hmm. and uh, our amazing costume designer, Joanne Hansen, mm-hmm. started putting layers and layers on, on me. And after she was done, it, it's a kind of a fusion sari. Mm-hmm. After she was done with all the jackets and all the pieces, and she said, Now, what kind of shoes would you like to have? I said, Boots, Duck Martin boots. And she said, Boots? Why boots? I said, Because this character is a soldier. Mm-hmm. She started when she was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. She's been to the army, and that—that that is something that she would never change. She would always wear boots. I'm so happy I did that for the for the no, same okay. reason. Mm-hmm. Now it, it so works cool. perfect. And I never forget. I went to the set, and there was—I don't remember the guy's name. First episode. I got on the set and the director said, are you ready, Shoya? I said, yes, sir, I'm ready. He goes, oh, but you have to change your boots. I said, no. He goes, these are the boots you're wearing with these saris? I said, yes. He called the designer and said, is she wearing? She goes, yes, it's her decision. And we agree with it. She's right. My character is a soldier. Mm-hmm. And what she sees in, in the body is the same thing. Mm-hmm. None of her daughters have taken after her. They're all into family and kids and stuff. But Bobby is a fighter mm-hmm. who never gives up. And that's why she reminds Amazon so much of herself. Okay. Oh, I love that. This is so funny. Thank you. <laughs> um, this is so neat to hear you. Um, I think drummer's favorite character. friendship has meant a lot to her over the course of uh, these seasons. At least favorite character, who your character probably does not like or clash with. Uh-huh. Oh, the Drummer says I'm a Sorella. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you should, you should say that. You it is. Say. It has to be. It I mean, that's the that's the the seat of our yeah. oppression. From and that's a compliment to her. I'm sure she would take it that way. She would take it. She that would way. take it. As but yeah, no, Abbasarella is uh, responsible for these policies that are, you know, oppressing the builders. Mm. This is awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is awkward now. <laughs> Couldn't she lie? Hmm. 
Hmm. I can't fight it. What a politician. <laughs> That's so She needs all these people, no matter how little yeah. they are. These little people, they're important. They're very important. Uh, Look at what you've started. <laughs> That's exactly. Sorry. No, it's great. That's so fun. That's nice. Hey, I would say her immediate helps, the two girls that help her out. They make a lot of mistakes, and that's why she starts doing micromanagement, mm -hmm. and she needs to spend more time mm -hmm. working rather than being with the family. That's why she's resentful towards those two oh, okay. that make her work okay. more than she's supposed to. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. This woman never ceases to amaze me. Unbelievable. Every year, year after year, I keep learning from her. This year, micromanagement. <laughs> I'd never done that before in my life. I was like Pollyanna. Oh, so and so is doing it. That's fine. That's fine. This year, she starts doing micromanagement. She notices that no matter how many people work for her, she still needs to look over each and everyone's job. When she started, I thought, maybe it's a good idea that I do it too. I cannot even tell you how many times I've been happy of doing so. <laughs> like waking up in the middle of the night and notice that my social media person has put a wrong name for my designer. I'm like, Colin, you're lucky she's asleep here in the UK. <laughs> Yalla, change the name as soon as possible. This is, this is not Ananda, it's Amanda. So, micromanagement. This year is micromanagement. <laughs> Unbelievable. Obviously, you know, well, she's... Well, something done well, you gotta do it yourself, you know? Yeah, you, go. That's it. you said it, you said it. Exactly. Wow. Obviously, you know, she's a woman from the future. And she's been created by these two geniuses, um, Ty and Frank. That's how they see us in 200 years from now. Uh, so I can learn a lot from her. What do oh, you think? Yes. You and your cat. Absolutely. I mean, Drummer is... She is so strong and so smart. I think um, she feels this incredibly keen sense of responsibility. Um, you know, she's in this, this, this incredibly hard-earned leadership position. And she feels a responsibility to her people. To advocate on their behalf, to fight for their rights, and and I'm very inspired by that. I think that's incredible. I, I think I am very different. My personality is so 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 different from drummers. Um, I really enjoy having a nice time as much as possible, and she doesn't have time for that. You know, there's there's there, she lives such a different life and such a committed and um, her, her lifestyle is all-encompassing of her, her ideology, you know? She's like um, very ferocious in that respect and I admire her a lot. Really think about that and like yeah, you, that this is what I love about these gatherings. Oh, yeah. 
because you make us think. And sometimes your questions make us to go back and... And yeah. rethink the answer. Oh, this is like... Yeah. Or even get to, get to hear your answers. Like, yeah. how lucky am I mm -hmm. to get to be in a show with you? It's incredible. We're so lucky. I have a really random question, please. Now, out of all the women in the show, how do you think the plot would change if we took out all the men? It would be very misogynistic to begin with. <laughs> no, we took out all the men. Yeah, we took out all the men. Yeah. I think... Uh, oh, all the men. Yeah, yeah we get rid of women. all the men. Yeah. Oh, yes, that, the, that would be I don't even think we'd notice. No problem. We wouldn't even notice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have no problem with that. Yeah, famous. No. no. We need balance. Yeah. Moderation, moderation, moderation. Balance. Yes. As long as we can keep the balance, we can live happily ever after. Yes, it's about how we can all uh, work together, really. Yes. And both men and women in yeah. positions of leadership, whoever's got the best ideas, you know, I think yeah. that we're really seeing an example of what is possible with mm -hmm. this show. And that hopefully will inspire our real life, life yeah. you know, with, yeah. we, can, we can have competent women in positions of leadership easily, yeah. and maybe we will one day. Maybe. Yeah. 30 years ago, mm -hmm. I was asked, why don't we see more female, more powerful female roles on silver screen? I'm like, we need more powerful women in our societies, in key positions, so films will depict that, or series. It yeah. sort of seems to go hand in hand, life and art. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. The more yeah. we see, the more we can trust women yeah. in key positions. Like, oh, they can do it. Like, for example, Naomi and Holden. If, if this show was made 30 years ago, he was the engineer, she was the pilot. Now she is the engineer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to imagine a future where my character is the captain of the ship and David Strathairn's character is my second in command. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's never, we've never seen that. Mm -hmm. Never seen that before. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible. Yeah. I would no, love to what, see that. This is what <laughs> we want. We want to be able to work shoulder to shoulder with our men. Yeah. That's what feminism means for me. Mm -hmm. Just allow me to work with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think our show shows that. Yeah. How that could be. <laughs> what do you think the fans are gonna feel towards the end of the season? They, they wanna see they wanna see the next one because this one <laughs> yeah. is so delicious. <laughs> After it's finished you're like, What? Mm -hmm. You wanna see the rest. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's very uh like encouraging. Mm -hmm. We're doing a full rotation. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Like Lorraine said, I'm in Toronto, I'm deep in prep. The last thing I want to do is take a day off to not work, but to come here and see the show in front of an audience. You know, we create these things in a vacuum. Yeah. We never get to see how the audience ingests the, 
the, the, the project and what they feel about the action, or are they on the edge of their seats when you know certain set pieces are happening, or the shift is crash, or are they getting the jokes, or are they, you know, yeah. are they what characters, are they, are they cueing in on the character dynamics? And uh, for me, it's also helpful as a director to see how it plays. Uh, you know, it's not something we ever get to do, so I really, I, I did enjoy it. Happy that Amazon was going to show the episode. Have there been any uh, significant creative shifts with the move to Amazon? Um, you know, not really. Uh, it, it, the show was pretty mature at season three. It's like we were telling the story in a particular way. You know, we were certain restrictions came off, like we didn't have to deliver the show in a 43-minute box, which was I think is actually a huge thing for us. Um, and you know language, content, nudity issues, like those aren't really anything to worry about anymore. So um, so it was great new freedom, but in terms of how we tell the stories and how and the stories we're choosing to tell, um, I think we're, we're staying on target with, with the way we've done it before. You know, what works, why mess with success? Well, always want to <laughs> ma make it better, honestly. It's like looking at it real hard and making sure that... Um, you know, each season that comes is better than the season that was before. Um, would you say that, there, that for season four there's like an overarching theme or something <clears throat> that you felt was like a real kind of uh, like part of the, the show this season? Every year when we break the story out in, in the writer's room and we have all the cards for all the episodes, I like to just put a kind of a theme for the show. And for season four it was, the blood-soaked gold rush begins. <laughs> and that is what the, the show is this year. Um, it, it is that story because that is the pivotal thing around which all the other stories ultimately do. When it comes, like, it comes time to like, plot out the season, Primarily, you just look to the, the source novel as a resource, or do you do any other sort of research? Um, you mean like outside of the books? Yeah, like just the history stuff, because I know there's such kind of like strong. You, um, you know, we haven't explicitly done it uh, since season one. I, I, I asked everybody who hadn't read The Guns of August to read The Guns of August because I felt that that was a real good reference point. Um, Ty and Daniel are extremely well read. Yeah. They they really are, uh, and 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 I think we all share like a real love of, of history and, and strategy and military history, and um, uh, all of those currents are in the stories. And so we will have a lot of a lot of you know conversations about things that that gets a little heavy in there sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but I, all of those elements really important. And they're, and they're in the books. You know, they, they explicitly reference them in the book. We bring them into the show. We don't have to really go outside too much, but there's always always an interesting book to read here or there, like along the way. Do you guys find it a challenge when you go through the books, like trying to decide which, you know, like what parts you guys want to bring into the show? Um, my general process is to take Ty and Daniel's book and cut out the first 300 pages. <laughs> That's only a half of a joke. Um, because what happens with a lot of times with their novels, and you can take a look at book four, Siebel Burn, the beginning of the story is not about the Rossi crew. They're not even in it until like like 200 pages in. And part of part partly it was because 
they are very happy to change perspectives and introduce new characters and experience all these things with them. But that's not really available to us in the television show. So we have to figure out ways to like take those same ideas and refract them through our main cast in slightly different ways. And so that becomes a challenge. But sometimes, what I, and, and I think they, as novelists, they like to do a little bit of a reset, which is they like to situate the characters and live with them for a little bit. My tendency is, especially in a 10-episode ep, season, you got to kind of get into the story a little bit faster. So, so there's the sort of like, you know, everyday life stuff that often just kind of goes by the wayside <laughs> to start things moving a little faster. Um, but um, so that's always that's always part of it. But but what we often try to find it is in those first two, three hundred pages, there's a million interesting ideas and, and finding ways to express them through our main characters or more so through our main characters is always part of it because we try to preserve what's going on in those storylines as much as possible. How in this season, how is your character different? In both of you, both of your characters a little different than the previous season. Like, are they more optimistic? Are they more aggressive? Are they more truthful or dishonest? question. Talk, well, talk about, you know, Dominique was talking about, just talk about how the, the feel of the family is. Oh, yeah. Just, that's really, I think that's the core of it. I mean, the, the core of the show is always the family, you know, and how what they're how they're challenged or how they come together or pulled apart and how they always stay together but the you know there's this is a it's season four so i'm so intrigued and it shouldn't season four was when i read it because it's introducing not just a new world on illus but the new world on mars and a new world for our for the, the earth itself as it's changing and how these changing worlds impact our characters on the ship, on the Rossi, and how it impacts them on Illus. I think it's the, the kind of geopolitical, the gates opening, and it changing everything about the universe that we know has dynamic impacts on our characters as well. And I really like when these, the, when the world itself, the themes of the world, impact our characters, both, both in ways that are small and personal, but also global. And so I think, yeah, does, it, does it change the characters a lot? Are they different? Sure, Dom is stepping, uh, Dominique's character is stepping on a planet for the first time ever. She is standing on terra firma, and she's never done that in her life. And like, what an incredible experience to create a character who's never been on a planet, who's never felt gravity, who's never breathed in oxygen in the open air, who's never seen the sky or the clouds, or felt the sun on her face in real life, walking out and experiencing that. So when we shot it, Lorraine said, go for it, like, take as long as you need, it's Amazon, they'll let you do things for as long as you need, and we took, we created a sequence, this like five or six minute long non-verbal sequence, it's a visual sequence, uh, of really pinned around the character of Naomi stepping onto Terra Firma for the first time ever, and like, what other show or movie would ever do that, I can't think of one, and it was really exciting for us, and for her as an actress. I, I remember... There's a couple of things that come to mind from that question. One is, the, if you look at the dedication plaque on the Rossi, it says, the Rossinante, Rossinante, an independent ship. And it's got the four names of the principals on it. It says a legitimate salvage, which is a joke. Um, reference to some other things. But what's interesting is, for the first time at the beginning of the season, it feels like they've acknowledged everybody as part of this 
because it feels like they are they are all in the same place they feel they like being together they feel like they have chosen to be with each other that seems very apparent and that's very different than any other point sort of in the, the history of, of the show and uh, I, I it actually made me remember the very first time I sat down with Ty and Daniel we were talking about adapting the book and I, have you guys read the book? Anybody? I have not read it. Anybody read the book? I read the first book. Okay. Yeah, I read the first book. <laughs> you read the first book. Well, this is about the first book. Is that at the beginning, Holden, Naomi, Alex, and, and Amos, they all know each other. They all know each other. They really know each other quite well. And and I said to them, literally the first thing out of my mouth is I said, I said, um, given what happens in the in the first episode of this show, we have an incredible opportunity to have the audience get to know the characters as they get to know each other. And I said, if we do this right, the characters that you wrote in chapter one of your book at the beginning, that relationship, we will get to in season four. That's what I said to them. Is, is that, is that, so, in a big change from the book is that they don't know each other at all. It's like they barely, they, 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 they work together a little bit, but they don't know anything about each other. And so it has taken them three seasons to get to the point where they all want to be on that ship together. And that's, a, that's part of the joy of the television show, is that you get to learn and, and be with your characters for a while as their relationships develop. someone who puts words in these characters' mouths, is there any one of them that sort of sums up the essence of the show in that spot or data kind of way? <laughs> oh, wow. Good question. Good question. In a spot or data kind of way? Huh. I don't know. Or a molecule version of the <laughs> <laughs> Um... Ask another question. Let that one <laughs> percolate for a while. I don't. I don't Got quite around. know. How does techn technologically like it's like the way it's shown on screen, like yeah. with the ships and the visual effects, like it looks amazing. Like, how how were you guys able to pull that off with um, like such a budget, like you know, when it's on sci-fi? How did you guys do that? I mean, a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> the, you know that. Visual effects are funny. They're yeah, they're expensive. There's a certain amount of money you have to have to pull them off. But the key is planning. You have to you have to have the right storytelling. They have to be they have to be conceived in the right way. They have to be planned in the right way. They have to be shot in the right way and acted and performed in the right way, edited in the right way. And then you talk about the money. About then they have to be finished in the right way. You miss any one of those steps, and if you're dead. But the other way thing you can think about is sometimes a limitation so we don't have the money of Star Wars a movie even close to anything like that but sometimes a limitation can be your friend where it causes you okay the most obvious way I do is show everything right and I know you guys are embargoed from uh, reporting on the plot of the episode you saw so I can talk about that the originally the idea was we were going to have that ship crash onto the planet and we were going to show these incredible big wide shots it was going to nosedive in and flip over and we are going to see this all this and it was incredibly expensive I mean shockingly expensive so we reconceived it and the idea was well let's experience what it's like to be in a plane crash but it's in a spaceship and I think 
that decision is for the benefit Absolutely. of the show. But it was made initially for a financial to to fix a financial problem. So I'm uh, I'm always on board for shooting as big as you aiming to be as large and gigantic as you can be, being told what the limitation is, and then trying to achieve that same idea in a way that fits in the structure you have. All that being said is we have a lot of money to do incredible effects as well, and uh, it's amazing how much we pull off, I think, and how many shots and how many worlds are built and ships are built and battle sequences are done. And, and it's uh, I, I, like I, every time I watch it, I see little new details I didn't see before, which I love. Um, coming back to your question. Nice, you got it. Um, one of my favorite scenes in season three, uh, Ty and Daniel wrote it. Um, it's between Amos and and Anna, the Elizabeth Mitchell's character, and and they're about to be killed by people coming in there, and and Amos says, "I'm going to kill them before they kill me," and I and he's expressing he's expressing hatred for somebody, and and Anna's like, you know, what did he ever do to you? And he goes, nothing, and and. and the scene in the end has a beautiful line. She goes, she goes, hate is a burden. You don't have to carry it with you. And that is philosophically, I think, at the core of the show, is that is that you can hate people for lots of reasons, but at a certain point, if you want anything to change, you have to let go of some of that hate. And people have to choose that. Um, and that, that idea comes up over and over and over again in the course of the show. I think it's deeply baked into what Ty and Daniel wrote. And I think that if, if I had to pick one philosophical aspect of it, and there are many, um, that's one that I, 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 I like quite a bit. So, Good answer. It's not exactly what he asked, but it was still a good answer. <laughs> 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 better answer than it. Yeah, it was. I'm like, I'm learning from this. Like, oh, good. Answer for me. <laughs> Your ratings have improved in the in, since you've been on Amazon. I don't know. <laughs> have they? I don't know. Since you've been on Amazon. That's awesome. I mean, <laughs> are you are you asking me I'm or asking, telling me? No, no, from what I can glean, uh -huh. people seem to be watching this. I think anecdotally, uh, yes, for sure. Uh -huh. I mean, it's like uh, Amazon doesn't release a lot of ratings information uh -huh. for us, okay. but uh, uh, it just seems to be out there much more than it ever has been. I mean, I think people have heard about the show. I think I think there's been a lot more press about it in lots of different areas. Word of mouth seems to be kicking in, and people are finding it and starting to stream one through three. Um, I, I definitely get that sense because I think it's a confluence yeah. of events. I think it's so. going to Amazon, but also the, ex the news experience of getting canceled and coming back to I life. Think, I think that's true. It brought it into yep. the lexicon, and, and it, then people watched it and they're like, oh, this is good. And so they keep watching it. I, I always feel like we, the show kind of punched above its weight yeah. in a way is that that through some miracle we kept ending up on like 10 best lists and shows you've got to watch lists. It's like, and for a basic cable show on sci-fi that was kind of a remarkable achievement just to cut through the noise. Um, and so um, I, I think all of that's held us in you know very good stead at this point because I think it's given us a foundation and it seems like it's getting Bigger. So what's happening is you have perhaps a larger viewership on a paid service yeah. than you did on a show that you didn't have to pay extra. I mean, it comes with your pay. Right, yeah. right, right. So That's right. People are paying 